Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Global Tech Swamp. I am Alex, your host, and I am here with the EU team. Hi, Anna. Hi, Alex. Hello. Hi, Morgan. Hello. Hello. Um, All right, so this episode, we are going to talk about the upcoming new European law, the Digital Markets Act, that will impose new obligations on large online platforms acting as gatekeepers. We will discuss how such changes could impact the entire app ecosystem with Mike Sachs, founder of the App Association, who participated in our recent event on the topic, along with other members of the association, policymakers, and academics. Hi, Mike. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, hello. And it's great to be back. (laughs) It is very great to have you. Um, Looking forward to our conversation. But first, tech history and the latest headlines in Brussels. So talking about the app economy, November is the month when the first iPhone was launched in Europe back in 2007. So uh, smartphones are the single most rapidly adopted technology in human history, even more than the printing press and the steam engine. So with the development uh, soon after of the app stores, apps have changed the way we use our phones, devices, and completely are now completely embedded into our everyday lives. The app economy is more than just the apps on the phone. It actually includes a full range of infrastructure, such as connected and Internet of Things uh, devices that makes these apps work. So today, the app economy just in Europe generated over 187 billion of revenues uh, in 2019 and has created more than 1.3 million jobs. So happy European birthday iPhones. And this is all for tech history. And now it's time for Brussels Bites. On November 11th, the member states of the European Union are to discuss another version of the e-privacy regulation. The text is supposed to reform the current law governing the privacy of communications over telecom networks, and it has been on the negotiating table since 2017. Um, This latest proposal put forward by the German presidency aims to clarify in which cases metadata can be processed under certain quote-unquote vital circumstances, such as a pandemic. However, they have also withdrawn the right for communications providers to process metadata for legitimate interest reasons. This removal has triggered strong criticisms by the industry, in particular mobile operators who want more freedom to monetize metadata from their networks. We will monitor the discussion and keep you posted on the outcomes. Europe suddenly has its eyes on Washington following the US elections that took place on the 3rd of November, in particular in the field of digital policy, where the last four years have been a bit difficult. According to a recent political article, it seems that the EU and the US are increasingly divided on tech regulation, starting with the Washington-led pressure campaign on 5G security, Europe's plans for digital taxes to the collapse of a transatlantic data protection agreement. Europe is also working towards more tech sovereignty and the need to keep data within its borders. With the arrival of Biden's administration, we could witness more aligned positioning on content moderation by online platforms as the EU is looking to reform its rules on the topic. Yeah, speaking of digital policy, the European Commission will soon reveal its draft proposal for new rules on online platforms. This proposal will cover the moderation of online content and advertising, as well as the transparency of algorithms. 
Rumors have it that online platforms could face heavy fines and sanctions if they repeatedly violate new obligations on managing illegal content online. However, it seems that the removal of harmful content will not face such stringent new rules, according to the European Commission. Instead, the Commission will focus on how this content spreads online and leads to disinformation. The so-called Digital Services Act is to be expected on December 2nd, so we'll have more details on this next month. It seems that Germany is pushing again for encryption backdoors as it has tabled a non-binding resolution that seeks to give national authorities access to encrypted communications. The European Union countries are to discuss this document on the 25th of November. The text indicates that competent authorities must be able to access data in a lawful and targeted manner in full respect of fundamental rights and the data protection regime while upholding uh, cybersecurity. It also mentions that potential technical solutions will have to enable authorities to use their investigative powers, uh, which are subject to proportionality and necessity and judicial oversight under the domestic legislation, while upholding fundamental rights and preserving the advantages of encryption. And that's all for Brussels Bites. And now for the policy discussion. We'll focus on the upcoming Digital Markets Act. As mentioned in a previous episode, the Digital Markets Act is a new law the European Commission is working on to strengthen the single market for digital services and to introduce new obligations for gatekeeper platforms. As an association, we think this is an important piece of legislation because any change to large platforms could or likely will cause ripple effects throughout the whole platform ecosystem ranging from the largest stakeholders to the smallest micro-enterprises, and across all verticals. So this is in particular concerning to our members who use the app stores. And that's why we want to dive into this topic today. Indeed. So it's more important than ever to ensure that our voices are heard in this debate. And to do this, we are organizing a series of online discussions to connect app developers with policymakers, Um, legal professionals and academics to share really the specific problems developers experience in the app economy, but also to discuss how the new European Commission proposals may be addressing these. So our first event took place on the 28th of October, and we had the pleasure to welcome our members, uh, Stanislas de Wavrin from OBB, um, game uh, development company, and Mike Sachs, founder of the App Association and also app developer, founder of WellBeyond, we had Adina Clacy from Copenhagen Economics, Nicolas Petit from the European University Institute, Philip Madison um, from the College of Europe in Bruges, and Dr. Amin Jungbluff from the German Ministry of Economics. And today we have with us uh, Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi, Morgan. So, Mike, during our event, Stanislas spoke about his experience with the app economy, and he had some interesting insights to share. We'll insert a little clip right here so you can listen to it. I believe the conversation about online platform is uh, very uh, important. The way we are perceiving uh, online platforms and the way we are planning to regulate them has a direct impact on the way we are conducting business and our relationship with our platform and uh, the consumers. So uh, I've been working on the mobile game industry since uh, 20 years uh, today. I started my journey in, uh, in the early uh, 2000, as you can guess, on uh, WAP. I was a VP of uh, creation, meaning I was uh, taking care of all the games at uh, Gameloft. 
uh, a French uh, company, which um, when, when I left was uh, a company of uh, 6,000 uh, people operating uh, worldwide. Uh, I stayed there for uh, 11 years before I uh, started my own company in 2012. Uh, so during this uh, 20 years journey, I had the opportunity to uh, create some of the first uh, mobile game success back, uh, back in the day. I saw the user base grow from a few thousand of people who were able to download games to uh, now a few billions. And uh, I've been experiencing uh, as, a, as a developer firsthand the evolution of the, of the app industry on the, on the platform. Uh, in this industry, which is very uh, prosperous, we are considered as a, a small and medium-sized uh, developer. Uh, but our mission is to, to become uh, some uh, European digital champion at some point. And uh, to do that, we will uh, have to uh, depend on the platform economies and uh, growing our expertise to make a better game and promote them better. Right now, to be, uh, to be honest, we don't have a big uh, issue with the platforms. We are uh, developers, and I come from a world where uh, the gatekeepers were not behaving as good as they are behaving uh, today. I believe it's a, it's a very positive journey and I, I've seen a lot of uh, great stuff happen uh, during, uh, during these 20 years. It's a very, very, very complex world and a very complex dynamic. And uh, I'm a little bit worried about, uh, you know, uh, just uh, regulation for the sake of uh, regulation or just because uh, uh, some people voice uh, uh, some, uh, some, uh, some concerns. In, in the end, I, I think uh, for us, it was a very, very uh, beneficial relationship we have with, the, with this platform. And as we just heard, Stan highlighted the fast-changing environment of the app ecosystem he has witnessed over the years. And as an app developer yourself, what is your reaction to that? And what would be the concern of regulation for you? Well, first, I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything that Stan has said. I mean, they, they are a very impressive company. They only have been around for eight years. They made a new game every year and they've had millions and millions of users now and been able to reach a global audience all from Paris with just eight people. And so that's an opportunity that you have because of the App Store, because you can reach so many countries at once, because all the billing and the paying and the customer service is handled <clears throat> and customers feel confident getting an app installed from an, a company they've never heard of because of the gatekeeping process, because of the curation of the app store. The apps that are bad, that are stealing your information, that are destroying your battery life or making your iPhone unusable, never get a chance to run on your phone because they are thrown out of the app store before they can even uh, apply. And so that curation process is especially important for small companies. And I think one of the concerns that we all have is that when, when bigger companies are pushing the platforms to relax the rules for gatekeeping and allow different kinds of things to be uh, done by apps that run on the platform, the level of trust and the level of confidence that people have installing apps on their phone will go down. And that will ultimately only benefit the really big brands, the established global brands that everybody already trusts. And smaller companies like ours will have a much harder time competing um, with, with the bigger brands. And so I hope that when these regulations uh, finally come out and we can read them, that the commission will 
allow us to speak about how we believe that those regulations will impact our businesses. Because there are thousands and thousands of small companies all over Europe making incredibly innovative apps that really make our lives so much better. And I think, you know, some of those companies are going to become really big. And it's also perfectly fine that a lot of those companies will remain small and only have five people, eight people, 10 people, sometimes they're mom and pop shops. They, they are creating value on the platform. They're making our lives better with the apps that they create. And they're also employing people in, in regions of Europe that usually don't have a lot of economic possibilities compared to the, the bigger cities like Berlin and Paris and Brussels and Copenhagen. So you can live anywhere in Europe and you can build an app and make it available to a global audience thanks to the App Store. That is a great opportunity that we hope these regulations won't diminish or destroy. Yes, and um, you just mentioned that the App Store really brought a revolution in the software distribution. And um, Stan also touched upon his, on his personal experience with the app stores and the fact that he, compared to maybe other companies, hasn't faced any particular issues uh, with the platforms and he actually benefited from them, um, as you mentioned yourself. So even though you already touched a bit upon that, how does regulation could concretely uh, affect the software distribution and the relationship between the stores and the developers? Mm -hmm. Well, I, there, there are a few good parts about regulation. Um, you know, the, the increased level of transparency, I think would be very helpful. Sometimes when your app is uh, rejected from the app store or when you're waiting for review, you don't always know how long is it going to take? What am I exactly being rejected for? What changes do I need to make? So there's, there are always different things that we can, you know, continue to uh, want from the platforms. And if you look over time, there have been a lot of changes. You know, it used to take uh, several weeks to review an app. Then it started to take a few days. And now, you know, if you have a regular app or a regular update, in a lot of cases, your review goes through uh, in a few hours. The regulations, the the app developer app store guidelines have evolved over time, both to deal with abuses that were unforeseen, like for example, uh, the Smurfberry saga where kids apps were um, had in-app in purchases and kids were ordering hundreds of dollars of uh, wheel, virtual wheelbarrows full of, of uh, berries um, against their uh, parents' wishes and even without their knowledge. That was addressed within a few weeks, and it created new rules for how in-app purchases are, are processed, um, how kids apps need to put in parent gates uh, for, for the, um, uh, before uh, allowing in-app purchases. And so these app guidelines, they continue to be uh, changed on, on the fly over time at a fairly rapid pace. And so if we take a, the, the pace of government regulation and we take a freeze frame of um, what the situation is right now and we try to regulate that in great detail, it's not going to work because six months from now, the technology will already be evolved and, and much beyond what the situation is today. So we don't want regulation that 
that slows down the the rate of change and innovation and new opportunities and new ways of buying software uh, in the app stores. And then the other part is that we want the curation of the platforms to remain at a high level so that that, pro that trust can be protected. One of the uh, remedies that has been going around is to allow multiple app stores on the phones. And, you know, while it's good to have choices and, you know, if you're an app maker, you can choose to develop for Android or um, Kindle Fire or iOS. That, that's a great set of choices. Do we want to have 25 app stores on the phone? No, not at all, because that would just fragment our audience. It would make it a lot more complicated to uh, publish your app because you would have to get approval on all those different app stores and you would want to launch your app on all the same, all the app stores at the same time, because otherwise your customers are going to be confused. And every update needs to be launched at the same time as well. So that would make life for app makers much, much more complicated. Frankly, I think it would make life for users a lot more complicated and confusing as well. And it would create no value whatsoever, except for a few, a handful of bigger companies who think that they can build their own platform uh, app store-like uh, uh, business. And yeah, those those companies, they're big companies. They, they know how to take care of themselves. They don't need big European regulators to, to come and, and save them. But at the same time, they're the ones who are the most effective at lobbying for these changes. So we're concerned that these new regulations will end up benefiting the bigger brands and not the smaller developers who are really the most important part of the app economy, I believe. So while we know, we might not know what it's going to look like, but we do know regulation is happening in Europe. Um, so how do we ensure that the solutions that regulators put in place support the growth, competitiveness, and innovation of European app developers? Well, once those regulatory proposals come out, which is very soon, uh, we will look at them and we will brief our members and we'll discuss them. And the feedback that comes out of those conversations, uh, we will probably summarize and then bring back to the com commission. And at events like the ones that we are organizing uh, next week, we will, uh, you know, share our findings, not simply from the voice of app makers, which is important, but also with the support of economists and law professors and uh, experienced policymakers who have seen poli tech policy develop over time and how it ends up, you know, having an impact that is often unintended. And we hope that by bringing all those people together and by sharing our perspective, that the regulation that comes out of that will be more positive. And we, we are confident that the, that the commission, both the staff and the commissioners will take our comments uh, seriously, will really listen to us, and hopefully they'll be able to craft a regulation that everybody loves and that ends up being a positive force in Europe. Well, thank you very much, Mike, for your insights. It's a, it will be a very important conversation to 
continue to have and uh, we will have actually a second event uh, on the 18th of November uh, to dive even more uh, into those issues and uh, um, if you wish to register, the registration will be on our website and uh, we'll have the relevant links in our show notes. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's good to be here. All right. And now it is time for our random identifier. Mike, since we haven't had you on the podcast for a little bit, let's start with you. Well, I'm going to share a book that just came out uh, earlier this month. It's a book that I actually bought for my son and for myself, and I want to buy it for a lot of other people. It's called The Practice, and it's written by Seth Godin. Um, I grew, I've known Seth for a long time as an author, and um, I used to think that the way you pronounce his name is Seth Godin, because, you know, in every, any European would do that, but he's an American. He lives in uh, outside of New York, and he has written a lot of books about uh, being creative and having a small business, uh, trying to do marketing when you're actually mostly focused on the products and the people you work with and everything else. And I always love what Seth writes, but in this book, he really focuses on the creative process and uh, how to break through things like writer's block or if you're scared that when you're creating art, you will be rejected. Uh, how can you keep going? How can you reach the people that you want to reach? How can you build a tribe of people who love what you're doing and you know interact with them? So The Practice by Seth Godin is a book that I highly recommend. And uh, I haven't finished it yet, but I've started it and I'm really happy about it. I love that. You know, a book is great when you want to recommend it to people before you've even finished it. Those are like my favorite kinds yeah. of books. You're just like, you're even just like hooked in the first chapter and you're like, I don't even know what's going to go from here, but everyone has to read it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. Um, Anna, what about you? Um, so mine is not as serious or insightful, <laughs> but you know, last week I was looking for mindless content to not look at the news for two hours, something to distract me. Absolutely. Um, it felt a little early for holiday movies, especially because it's still, like, really warm here in D.C. Like, you can sit outside in a t-shirt, so it That's felt, true. like, wrong to m watch a Christmas movie. So I ended up watching <laughs> this movie called Love Guaranteed on Netflix, mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's a chick flick. It's mindless, but it was good. It made me laugh, um, and it made me, like I said, forget about like refreshing my newsfeed every 20 minutes. Yeah. So it's about um, this lawyer who is kind of, you know, a civil, not civil rights, but she like does a lot of pro bono work. So very much like financially struggling because she's not getting paid for her work. And then she gets this client who is willing to pay a lot of money to sue a dating app because they guarantee love. But this man has gone on a thousand dates and has not found love. So he's trying to sue the dating app company um, for guaranteeing something that they can't guarantee. And so, yeah, it's about um, that lawsuit and how the two protagonists get to know each other and obviously fall in love at the end. Sorry for the spoiler, but if you didn't know that was happening, you should not watch Tick Flicks. Yeah, you um, probably have never <laughs> seen a romantic comedy. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Would recommend if you're looking for something to take your mind off the state of the world for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> 
I too have seen that movie and it also entertained me yeah, and also I'm allowed for me to turn my brain off. Um, also, <laughs> listeners of Tech Swamp know that I actually have a very um, soft spot in my heart for holiday movies. So I actually have already watched the two sort of Netflix original holiday movies that have been released thus far. Did, did you watch The Holiday? Of course I watched okay. The Holiday. See, it I'm is saving that for delightful. like December. So. I, um, you know, normally I wait until, like, after Thanksgiving to, like, mm-hmm. really lean in, but it's a different year, and I, uh, have really leaned into just sort of letting myself, uh, enjoy whatever I feel like enjoying, uh, and that. it's been great. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm excited. In the future, we'll talk about these Netflix original Oh, for sure. Uh, holiday you know movies. I'll be watching them just a little later in the year. Exactly. <laughs> Looking forward to those conversations. <laughs> um, and Why do I also, uh, recommend, and it, I... It might be a chick flick, uh, "On the Rocks" uh, by uh, Sofia Coppola with Bill Murray. Um, yeah, and it, it's on Apple TV. It's a it's a nice movie. Hmm. Yeah, I really want to see it. I'm a huge Bill Murray fan, um, okay. and I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to everyone who has not seen "Love Guaranteed." <laughs> <laughs> um, well, "Love Is Guaranteed" it's in the title, so you knew they were going to fall exactly. in love at the end. Exactly. Um, Thank you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> um, Morgan, what do you have for us? <laughs> Well, talking about taking your mind uh, off things, mine is really random, but I just want to share that after the, uh, probably the darkest month we had in Brussels and the whole population is running on vitamin D, which uh, <laughs> I went for a walk in the park. And um, I don't know, I feel like we were talking about it earlier, but like 2020 is changing. I, I, mm-hmm. It was so beautiful, all the colors and the, tr- uh, the trees. I went there. Um, it's a park, it's a, it's a central park miniature, miniature like it's a <laughs> tiny version, but um, all the children were laughing, people were like laughing everywhere and um, keeping social distancing, of course. And, of course. Uh, and again, the color is beautiful. It was just the perfect thing uh, that is needed uh, after, uh, well, in this pandemic season and, uh, and yeah and before entering uh, the holiday season and the winter mode. So I highly recommend it and share, I want to share my, my love for nature. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's it. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that that's such a great point too, is that like, it does seem like there has been like a an uptick in spirits. Like spirits seem a little bit uplifted as we're sort of entering this like end stage of 2020. <laughs> Um, and so like, yeah. <laughs> it is really nice to see. Um, and actually, so my random identifier is about a book that I, uh, just read that's, um, it's called Good Talk. It's by Mira Jacob. Um, and it's, uh, she calls it a memoir and conversations. It's really, it's sort of like, it's a cross between a lot of things. It's definitely a memoir. It's definitely conversations, but it's also a graphic novel. Um, and it's really beautiful and really wonderful. And in a lot of ways, really uplifting. And it was something that I read, um, uh, right before the election in the U.S. or, or right before we got the results of the, re- the election in the U.S. Um, and, um, you know, the main character is also a woman uh, who uh, is, um, y- her parents are from India. She, they were immigrants here in the U.S. She is, you know, the child of immigrants. We just elected uh, a woman to uh, be the vice president of the United States, uh, who is also a child of immigrants. Um, and she is the first uh, woman to be in that role. And um, it was a really uplifting read to then sort of wake up the next morning to some interesting uh, 
news here in the U.S. Um, and it just like it like totally changed my whole attitude. It was like really great. Um, but also the book is like beautiful, uh, both like literally uh, visually. It's very beautiful, but also like the conversations are incredible and parts of it are hard. You know, I think that all memoirs are a little bit, um, but like in a really good way that make you think uh, and sort of come out being a little bit smarter uh, and more aware. Uh, so I really would recommend it. It was a really great read. Um, and I think especially uh, given where we are right now, state of affairs, it's also very relevant. Um, and it came out in 2019. So like, who knew how predictive it really would be? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's really, wonder like, really, it's like really wonderful and honest. I just, I couldn't recommend it more. Uh, much like Mike and his book. So um, yeah. That's, That's awesome. Adding it to the list of books I need to read. Yes, please do. <laughs> and uh, and that's all for Random Identifier. We have reached the end of Tech Swamp. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this EU edition. If you want further information, you can go to our website and our podcast page, where we'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher to be updated on all our latest podcasts. And uh, to follow what we're doing on a daily basis, you can, of course, follow us on Twitter at EUAppMakers. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.